Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. For today's episode, Jim and I decided to sit down and answer some more of your guys' frequently asked questions. Frequently asked, frequently asked questions episode? Frequently asked questions number two. Number two. All right. First one. How do I respond when an athlete asks me about supplements? How do you respond? Or how does anyone respond? Okay. How should one respond? How should one respond? Um, with fear, surprise, laughter. At the whole right. range of emotions. Yes, give them a little bit of everything. All right, so is the quest the question is essentially what do I do when a, uh, an athlete comes to me asking about supplementation? Um, first of all, it depends on the age and training experience of the athlete, no question. But I'm going to go ahead and assume that we're talking about a high school or um, high school or college athlete. Right? Is that fair? Do you think? Fair to say, yeah. And we'll go from um, we'll go from direct experience. Most of the athletes I know are not ready to, to supplement with anything in the traditional understanding of what supplementation is. Meaning like uh, supplementation by definition is you, you are supplementing your existing diet with some of the things that you might be lacking or you might think uh, lend themselves to performance enhancement. Fine. Uh, I think when most people talk about supplements, clearly this question is they're talking about uh, protein, creatine, and who, who knows what else. Um, I can tell you what we do and that is we just were like, you don't need it. And, and, I, and I, that, yeah. may be a, that may be a silly thing to say, but here's the truth. If you're talking about supplementation, you are talking about something that is at the, uh, the pinnacle of one's uh, performance framework, right? Dietary um, needs at, that, at the level of supplementation are way up top. That is high-end stuff. The people that are doing it well and getting good benefit out of it um, are paying attention to blood work. They have a long training history. They know what they're deficient in. They understand themselves uh, a lot better than any of our high school athletes do. So what we say is, um, let's look at your other habits first. We talk about, and Alex, you have heard me say this ad nauseum, but, uh, but it's the absolute truth. The bedrock of human performance is eat, move, sleep. Okay, the bedrock is take care of your nutrition, but the basics of the nutrition. We're not talking about, um, essentially, you can't ice a cake made of sand. So we've got we've to set the foundation, we've got to bake the cake, and, and maybe that's a funny metaphor because I don't think people should be eating a ton of cake, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but it makes sense, but the like idea. You, if you are not eating um, with high quality, um, with appropriate timing, and then paying attention to the sort of quantity that you're putting in. If you don't have your, your diet down, uh, then supplementation is noise. It's nonsense. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, one of our previous guests on the show, Derek Woodski, yep. even talked about this exact same topic when it came up. And he was saying that, uh, you know, if you have an athlete that can't, that, ha- that hasn't eaten breakfast every single morning mm-hmm. for 30 days in a row, then the the conversation is essentially meaningless. You right. Know, it's it's yeah. You're right. You, um, and it's funny that that is. I don't want to get into any great conspiracy theories here, but that but but the the sort of person the supplement industry is preying off of is exactly that kid that can't get his butt out of bed on time to get a to get breakfast. 
You know right. what I mean? It's like instead he's going to take uh, his parents' credit card to GNC and find the, the, the jug of stuff with a jacked person on top of it and buy that. So I don't know. I don't want to be too negative in this. But supplementation needs to be exactly that, a supplement to a strong foundation of nutrition. If you don't have a strong foundation of nutrition, we're, we're, we're talking about some stuff that's up in the ether. My advice to anyone who's asking about supplementation would be ask them about their existing habits first. Are you, uh, are you essentially fueling in, recovering out of your workouts? You know what I mean? Are you getting the right kind of food going in? Um, what does that look like? How do you feel during your workouts? Ask questions like that. Um, what are you doing for recovery on the way out of a workout? What are your sleep habits like? What is your hydration status? Right? Are you drinking water? I'm telling you right now, I, I know a lot of high school age kids who, if they took care of their sleep and hydrated more and were a little more conscious of, of the quality of food they put in, then they wouldn't need supplements. They'd see performance gains. They'd find themselves adapting to the workouts uh, a lot better and faster and probably feeling better on the back end. So in short, I would say, listen, you know, listen to the language. If it's, if, it's, if it's a supplement, let's make sure that it's exactly that. The supplement, not a replacement um, for solid nutrition. Right. And it feels like if an athlete comes to you asking that question, that is a great opening to having a conversation about healthy lifestyle choices, whether it be sleep, whether it be nutrition, all that good stuff. And instead of, uh, you know, obviously you want to listen to them, you want to hear what they're saying, but then saying to them, uh, very clearly, do you really need that? How is everything else going? All the things that we just mentioned beforehand. Totally. You know what? I don't want to be dismissive because if, if a kid's asking, you, you can assume someone, someone who's taking supplements is in one of two camps loosely. One camp would be they're, um, they're looking for a shortcut. Right. Right. The other camp would be they, they are actually doing everything that you've asked of them, taking care of their nutrition, they have healthy habits, they're training hard, and they're trying to find the next step. I think just based on the scenario, if the student is coming to you with these questions, then maybe they're in camp too. Maybe they are you know, your guy um, or your girl who's really working hard at this. Um, so like you said, take them seriously, entertain the question, but make sure that healthy habits come first. Uh, and are sustained, like Derek said, and, and, and have been sustained for a long time before you uh, even consider that sort of thing. Now, if you are in that second camp, um, I think supplementation should be used in a specific way. And Alex, I'm going to ask you to cite some of the studies that we've referenced here. But um, yeah, if everything else is sound, then supplementation um, makes sense to me. Supplementation for me would include things that allow one to recover faster um, to meet the demands of the stress they put on them. As we've said before, um, so much of, of performance, so much of strength training and building is a process of stress and recover. I feel like uh, strength science is improving and we are getting better and better at the stress part. Uh, I think we need to be really diligent about the recover part. So um, listen, protein is an essential building block. It, like we, we need it and if we're not getting in our diet, but we are training hard supplementation with a high quality sort of protein great I don't really have a I don't have like a moral stance against that and I think there's uh, plenty of documentation to show that that would probably benef be beneficial I think if you can eat eggs or a steak after your workout that's great milk fantastic if, if you're 
stomach will tolerate it. Um, but if you don't have access to whole foods, then and I don't mean the grocery store. I mean like whole food. Yeah, right. Uh, then uh, then sure, supplement. And then like honestly, if we, if we go down that road, I think it's got to be incremental growth. The problem with supplementation is that everyone thinks like you don't jump to the big stuff. You don't jump to HGH. Um, you know, it's, it's a process. Protein is the most popular supplement. Creatine is like got to be neck and neck or close number two. Uh, kids are asking about creatine all the time. Um, Alex, you found some stuff on it. I'll say this. I think creatine is good with an asterisk. I think it's good if um, you've take, if you've checked all those other boxes. Uh, and I know a lot of people who swear by it. I know the research um, proves its effectiveness fairly routinely, actually. But there is contradictory evidence. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a few of the studies that, that I had read recently had said that there was not a positive uh, effect on upper and lower body strength with creatine usage, nor was there a positive effect on body weight. But again, there are reports that say different things. Uh, on the I'll tell you, some people are going to hear that and be pissed off. Yeah, maybe. Well, the body weight one doesn't surprise me, and I'm almost surprised that they tested that because body like I don't know anyone who's taking creatine to like cut. Well, there is a there is a. Uh, water retention effect that comes along right. with so body if, weight. If, if so if you're concerned, I, me, which makes me think like if you're taking creatine but trying to cut, you've been severely misguided. Hoodwinked. I would say you've been hoodwinked. Um, but the, the first one, a lot of people would be like, oh, that's bullshit. I've, I'm, I've definitely – and they might be totally right. right. Like I said, this is – it's just intriguing. You know, the question is what do I do when I talk to my kids about supplementation? It's pretty compelling to say that like some people swear by it. A lot of research does support it. And then here's a legitimate journal article that said they didn't find anything. Right, right. So, um, But we actually talked about this the other day uh, when we were at HQ. Uh, we were talking about um, like is placebo a psychological boost? Is a psychological boost – could a psychological boost be performance enhancing? And the answer is yes. So is placebo – performance enhancing drug in a secondary way i guess in right a yeah way who knows so if it works for you go for it but anyway we're talking about kids um what else and what was that there was a andy galpin mentioned a study recently andy yes. who's also been a guest on the podcast really great guy um about uh the positive effects what was it? It was the positive effects of creatine in an aging population. Right, Specific exactly. to stuff that you wouldn't even associate it with, like uh, limiting the symptoms of Alzheimer's and a lot of the late onset diseases. Yeah. It was pretty interesting stuff, yeah. Uh, they, they talk about it a little bit on their podcast, Body of Knowledge. Go check it out. Uh, but he also tweeted about it, tweeted out a link to it there. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, talking about how creatine is not necessarily just for athletes or just for athletics. So some interesting research coming on that front as well. I would anticipate. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. What's next? What's the next question? And All if right. there are, I would also say this: if there's any, like that was a broad answer to supplement the supplementation question. If anyone has questions about a specific supplement, we could probably do a little bit of uh, background check on it. But I, but I don't think we can stray from that sort of framework type idea establish a healthy base um, once your habits are fully in line once your nutrition is down you might then supplement your nutrition with something that's not regularly occurring in your diet right all right so moving on to the second question how do i start a powerlifting team at my school great question alex 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know you didn't ask it. I but, didn't. But we both have experience in this. So I'll tell you the story of ours. It's actually really cool timing because I will brag about our kids. They're great. Our girls did a really nice job at state. We had hosted state, uh, was it two weeks ago, a week or two ago? Mm-hmm. Um, but our guys actually won. So uh, our guys were state champions at the high school, Illinois High School Powerlifting Association state champions. And they freaking nailed it. They did such a nice job. We got to give a shout out to uh, the next uh, placing teams. We had a tie for second place. Stag uh, and Maine West both got 66 points. The winning team got 67, so one point differential. There's a lot of uh, a lot of lessons that we teach for appearing in that. Um, and then Sandberg took third, and they were I don't remember the exact score. I want to say it was like in the high 50s or something like that. So pretty pretty tight competition. Great group of kids. Um, but anyway, so the the powerlifting team that we started not long ago just won a state championship. How do you get from A to B? Uh, it, it's pretty clear to me that you've got to know a little bit about what you're doing in powerlifting. You've got to have a group of kids who are fairly interested, and then you have to meet with those kids. And, I, and that's not the answer people were looking for, but, but here's the extension of that. Do you know what you're talking about? Do you have kids who are interested? Great. Strike up a conversation and see what comes next. Because the truth is, it's funny, we, we, uh, in the expansion of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, which is a partner of the project, you know, we, we get a qu- this question or something like it really often. And the truth is at New Trier, uh, I volunteered. My, my first gig as a powerlifting coach was completely volunteer. And those kids started to get pretty good at it. So we started seeking out competition. Um, and it just kind of, and then it just kept going. And you almost have to, you have to prove concept. So we, um, you know, we always talk about this, but you have to gather results, you know, collect results and relationships because that's what this business is about. So the kids in the gym worked hard, saw results, and, on a, you know, when we first began to compete, they did a really nice job. And then the relationships matter. Uh, so through that time, we, we built up positive relationships with kids. We, uh, we teach for all the things that we talk about, character, resilience, community. We taught that stuff through powerlifting, use powerlifting as the vehicle to get there. Um, and, and I think people really do, human beings respond to that and then they actually come back and it's funny, you know, our guy Riyadh is, is coaching powerlifting now. He was on that first team that we started. So that, that's how it goes is, is, uh, I, I mean, I, my advice would be if there's a strength conditioning coach in the building, talk to that person. If there are PE teachers, talk to those people, see if they recognize anyone who might be interested, strike up the conversation, establish a meeting time, start talking powerlifting and coaches for, a, for an up and coming sport like this at a team level, powerlifting is still very much up and coming. Um, volunteer, be willing to volunteer. Um, you know, we now have a stipended position. It's a club now at our school. So there's a small stipend attached to the club, but, um, you know, as Stacy, the student activities director, always mentions the first few months of this, it's just got to be a labor of love. So you do it because you love to do it and want to do it and then progress from there. How, how have you found that? Yeah, so for me, uh, I, I was formerly an assistant coach at, at New Trier, uh, went over to St. Viator that had had a team going for about a year. They had joined us last year at uh, two of the meets and then their head strength coach, uh Rich McLaughlin, shout out Rich, Great guy. Uh, went out to Stanford. He's an assistant strength coach there. But when he left, I took over his position and also I took over the powerlifting position. Um, 
for us, it's really been a uh, it, it, we're in the growing stage. It's pretty well established. Rich did a great job. Uh, he's got some, we've got some kids that are very committed. We met every single week. We actually had the opportunity to host a regional meet this week, this, uh, year, which was, I gotta say, uh, did a lot of wonders for us in terms of recruitment as well, because yeah. I think the kids on campus that maybe weren't so sure about powerlifting, even if they were strong kids and liked to lift, they weren't so sure about powerlifting when they finally got to see it for themselves in their own building, saw that it was uh, like not nearly as intimidating of an environment uh, as they thought it would be and that it was supportive, very supportive in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it definitely helped. It, it opened up a new conversation with some of those kids who were maybe on the fence about joining it or not. And so totally it was and, and it was. I was there. It was awesome that like your the varsity baseball team came down and checked it out. There was a host of female athletes. I don't know what sport they were playing, but they came I think largely to support. Yep. And then you could hear them they're like, "Oh, maybe we should actually yeah. jump in and give it a shot." Yeah. Break, breaking down that barrier, especially for something like powerlifting, which if you're afraid of the weight room in general, uh, powerlifting just sounds so intense that there's I, I agree with you. I think you have to see it uh, to really understand it. Yeah. And and with those those uh, Female athletes especially is exactly right. I had two or three that were definitely interested in competing. They came to the meet. They were supporting. They helped run it. Afterwards, they were like, Coach, I, I have to do this. So, like, I got to get in on this. I want to do it. And it, they just, cool. uh, it just like lit a fire under them, and, and it was great. So, getting go. that going, yeah. There you go. In short, though, I think chase your passion, um, paid or not. It's funny. Uh, through all these podcasts, it's people like Frank Beamer, Hall of Fame coach at Virginia Tech, Mike Ditka. Um, Derek Woodski, who we've already mentioned, who are some of the people, Scott Caulfield, uh, all these like, like these guys are huge in their field. All of them started as volunteers. I'm I'm not sure we've heard one story of a successful um, coach who didn't start just by chasing his or her passion as far as it would, as far as it would take him. Right. So don't expect a big paycheck, powerlifting (laughs) coaches, Uh, at least not right away. All right. Moving on, last one we got for this episode. We are uh, got a question. How do I build buy-in in my strength and conditioning program? That is, um, I know the person you got that from, but that's a, that's one that we hear all the time. Um, there's no fudging that. So this is one. This will be a short answer, kind of, because we've already mentioned results and relationships. It's like, dude, it's it is. How do I generate buy-in? You show up. You are awesome at what you do. You leave the kids feeling great. You, you de- give them performance results. You develop relationships with them and everything else takes care of itself. And, I, and, and, and that might seem idealistic and people might be like, well, give me something more tangible. Okay, Here, here's some numbers. Like we've said this before and I don't wanna be a jerk about it, but we, our, the program that we had at Nutrier started with 80 people and it was pretty much the football team that was told, hey guys, you, you pretty much, you know, you gotta do this. Um, they didn't have to, it wasn't mandatory, but that's pretty much who was comprised, who that uh, number was comprised of. We're, we're more than 1,400 deep now. There's no expensive marketing campaign. Our room is built for 35. It is not a fancy place. It is just very simply, uh, you show up every day with a plan, with energy, um, with your uh, with your intentions in order. You know, what kind of coach do I want to be today? And then ask yourself kind of the magic question of the Good Athlete Project. Does your behavior match your goal, right? Keep kind of revisiting that. Am I being good to this kid? Uh, Am I being good to this group of kids? Whatever it might be. And then, like I said, the the rest of it takes care of itself. Not everyone's going to like it. If you work at scale, people are going to be bothered by you. 
right? You know, like we, it's, it's, it's funny. Like we want to push hard and it's that pushing hard that both gets results and turns some people away. So if you have the balance of like, if you are a kind and caring coach who is completely invested in a group of kids, um, then they will invest back. That's kind of how it works. I'm not yeah. sure there's a way to fudge that. There's no, dude, there's no, like, don't you put up, put a, put a leaderboard up and, and you know, I, I don't know. That stuff is fine. That is not what generates buy-in, in my opinion. Nobody shows up to the weight room for, to see their name on the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if it works, if that kind of thing works, it works for a tiny percentage of the kids. They show up because they want to be around you because they want to be around your mission. They like your energy. Um, and I'm not just saying as one person in the weight room, when I say you, I'm saying like, I'll just say this nutri strength and conditioning has its own energy. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it's not necessarily me that they show up for or any of our great coaches that they show up for, though those things may be a part of it. But they show up to be a part of the thing that has been built and they buy into the idea. The ideas need to be um, clearly reinforced by the people in charge. And, and that's that. Your product's your product. And I don't know. Is that too – I want to I give coaches something they can really hold. I, I think if, if I can give something that you gave to me when I was an assistant for you and something Please. that you give to all the coaches, uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned very briefly talking about like, um, you know, caring about the, the, them as, as people, caring about them as students. And it's been said uh, a million times, uh, you know, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. One of the tools that you gave us uh, as assistant coaches working under you was the idea of dinner table conversation. So essentially, uh, like when they're at home with their families having dinner, like what is going to be the message that gets through mm-hmm. them? What jumps them? out? Right, exactly. Uh, and I just thought that was really valuable. And it's something that I've taken with me to to St. Viator. And it's been a huge help for me yeah. in, in creating that buy-in and helping to, to grow the program as well. That's uh, I, I like that. You're totally right. What are, what are the... What are the taglines? What are the things, um, you know, of the white noise of communication that goes on in the, in, through the course of a day in an adolescent's life? What are the things that are going to break the threshold and, and land with them? Um, you know, I, I, you know, start fast, stay focused, finish strong has probably come out of my mouth 15,000 times minimum. Something like Something that. Something like yeah. that. But, it, <laughs> but it's great. But people are saying it. There's finish strong. We see finish strong all over the place. It's trickled down to the, um, the junior high level. Which is which is amazing, and that and what are the tangible things that that represent your program that will be remembered, and and move on. That's a good point. And then you were about to you. I think you were thinking of the the t-shirt idea earlier. That's a good point. If you want to share that, yeah, absolutely. Way to uh, check in with people. Yeah, the other thing is just create. Uh, you know, either you yourself, well, you yourself, and encouraging your assistant coaches or whoever is helping out to try and make a connection with a kid that is non-strength and conditioning yeah. related, uh, whether that be, you know, like if they're wearing, uh, Coach Davis is a humongous fan of Nirvana, they're wearing a Nirvana it's t-shirt, asking them about that, you know, just, just striking up a conversation that uh, kind of is, is outside of the weight room while they're in the weight room. So the t-shirt idea is you got an easy inroad to every kid. Every kid's going to have a t-shirt on in the gym. They've made the decision to select that T-shirt from among the others. Ask them about it. They're like, oh, you went to Tampa? Cool. How was it? Right? These are easy inroads to start to start conversations, authentic conversations, um, just about them. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm highly competitive and I worry that I come back to that disclaimer too often because, uh, but I have to, but I have to in certain situations, like I want to win. I want our kids to want to win and I want, but, but I don't want like athlete X to win. I want Brian to win because Brian has worked so hard over the course of the past four years with such diligence. He really cares about his community. I want him to reap the fruit of his labor sort of, if that makes sense. So like, we, when we talk about strength and conditioning, especially at the high school level, more often than not at the college level, um, high-end college and, and professional are slightly different, but I still think this conversation belongs there. We're talking about helping human beings reach their highest peak, right? And that is, in that moment, it's their highest peak as a strength athlete. That moment will transfer to their highest peak as a football player or a basketball player, whatever that might be. And, and that that moment ought to transfer into the rest of their lives, it, it, eventually reaching their highest peak in relationships, in the professional world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's the, that is the idea. So make the human connection above all else. The training will follow. And as, we've, as you've alluded to and I'm a full believer in is like you it's you can only push as hard as you care and that's another way of saying that same old cliche if you are just the coach who shows up in the weight room or shows onto the field and he's he or she is cussing and and you know really making the kids tough like there's room for that there is there's room for that but if you don't care about the kid that you're trying to provide um, that tangible quality of resilience to you're just a jerk. <laughs> you know what I, like, yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's the truth. If you're not, like, why are you being so tough? Well, he needs to be tough. Maybe so. Maybe so. But, like, is it Alex that needs to build up uh, his resilience to stress? Is it uh, Steven who needs to be, who, who maybe he lives in a tough area and, and appreciation for hard, strenuous work really is going to be a part of that kid's life fine now you're teaching something to give to that human being you're not just doing it because you saw you know a movie about it right yeah. um i think we do need to be really intentional and deliberate in the way we we hand out those lessons and, and what we are coaching for so how do you generate buy-in build, right. pe build people build people as always submit your questions on our instagram page any of the posts send us a dm uh follow at Coach for Kindness, Coach the Number Four Kindness, and we will see you guys next time. See ya. This episode brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.